Welcome to the Jazz Focus. You're listening to WETF South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. My name is John Clark. Happy to be with you this week, and uh, thank you for spending some time with us. We are going to be focusing today on the music of Charlie Parker, the great Yardbird. And we're going to be listening to some of the sides that he recorded towards the beginning of his recording career as a sideman, not under his own name and not uh, in the group he co-led with Dizzy Gillespie. Those are pretty well known. We've uh, listened to a few of those in the past. I know, uh, um, I think I played several of the uh, Dizzy Gillespie things on different shows. And also, uh, the first date that Charlie Parker uh, participated on uh, as a sideman, uh, small group date anyway, was Tiny Grimes and his uh, All-Stars off for Savoy Records. And I played a couple of those sides on my program that uh, was devoted to the music of pianist Clyde Hart. So we're not going to play those again. Uh, Charlie Parker, just to give you some bare-bones outlines of his career, was born in 1920 in Kansas City. He started playing music fairly early, started playing saxophone. Unlike many jazz musicians, uh, that was, I guess, his first instrument. He didn't spend a lot of time on piano or any other uh, horn before he made it to saxophone. And he practiced religiously in the middle 1930s, up to 15 hours a day for quite a while. And that's how he assembled his prodigious technique um, he really was devoted uh, to playing music every waking moment at that point and participating in those jam sessions in Kansas City and uh, doing all that sort of thing. He played in a number of local bands. Uh, the first really notable one was that led by pianist Jay McShann, uh, which was a, a big band that sort of followed on the heels of the Count Basie band a few years later and uh, came to New York and played at the Savoy Ballroom in the very late 1930s and started making some recordings, uh, which some of which featured Charlie. Parker playing a uh, type of music uh, or a type of improvisation that was fairly uh, revolutionary. It sounds even today uh, extraordinary when you listen to uh, the pretty standard big band of Jay McShann and then hear one of his Decca recordings that has a Charlie Parker solo leap out at you. Uh, Parker had a way with melody and also with blue notes and phrasing too that just was very unlike any player at the time. And this was in 1939, 1940. Um, 
if we listen to his uh, early, early uh, recordings of the Wichita transcription, so-called, uh, and then going on to the official studio recordings for Decca in 1941-42, there are even some live recordings at the Savoy Ballroom in 1942. And it showed that uh, uh, Charlie Parker had uh, his style in place by that time. After he left uh, McShann during the war years, he went with Earl Hines for about a year where he met uh, and started playing regularly with Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, it's significant that up to that point, uh, Bird had played alto, but uh, when he went with Hines, he had to switch to tenor because that was the only seat open. And we're going to be hearing some tenor recordings of Charlie Parker coming up on this program as well. So along about 1944, he was in New York. He was participating in uh, jam sessions at Monroe's and uh, different places uh, around New York. He wasn't a, a habitué of mittens, uh, which was considered the um, sort of the, the crucible of bebop at the time. Uh, he may have been there once or twice, he said, but he, that was not a place that he frequented for various reasons. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie did, and a lot of the other uh, nascent uh, bop players like uh, Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell spent a lot of time there listening to and playing with other late period swing musicians like Charlie Christian and uh, Jimmy Blanton. And uh, that's where a lot of the style of bebop started growing up. The virtuosic tunes, fast tempos, uh, double time runs, uh, the extended uh, chord progressions, the extended harmonies. Uh, that was something that Parker was working on on his own. And by his own admission, he had sort of stumbled on uh, chord extensions and how to create melodies out of them by about 1940 or so while he was uh, jamming with uh, some other musicians in New York on kind of a low level at that point. But he said that was sort of his, uh, his moment of realization that he could uh, improvise in a different way. So as I said, his first uh, small group session was Tiny Grimes. It was actually the Tiny Grimes Quintet, September 15th of 1944, and uh, played a couple of those tracks, uh, Red Cross and uh, Tiny's Tempo, with our Clyde Hart program, Clyde Hart, the great pianist. And Clyde Hart had a date that uh, Bird was part of as well. We're going to hear one track from that. We heard one track on the Clyde Hart show as well. But we actually started out with two very interesting recordings made by a mixed group, mixed in terms of race, black and white, and mixed in terms of style, swing period, and uh, bebop musicians. And this was Red Norvo and his selected sextet, so-called, which recorded for Co uh, Comet Records in June of 1945, right around uh, the end of World War II, as a matter of fact, kind of an interesting time period to be making music. And this was uh, right at the... Uh, beginning, I guess, of the the um, recording period following the big recording ban. It was about eight or nine months after the uh, American Federation of Musicians had finally lifted the ban on recording for its uh, membership, so professional musicians could make recordings again. And as I've said on a couple of other programs, that started the whole uh, tidal wave of small record labels uh, being founded to uh, record jazz musicians particularly, and Comet was one of those. We're also going to hear things from Continental, Apollo, and Savoy, which were three other small labels that came out that were pretty dedicated to the new music. Anyway, Red Norvo was a xylophone and vibraphone player. Here he plays uh, vibraphone, uh, who had uh, been quite popular in the 1930s. He had a big band that featured his wife at the time, Mildred Bailey, and uh, he was considered quite a progressive jazz musician. I have a podcast out on Red Norvo and some of the things that he did in the earlier part of the 30s. If you'd like to take a listen to the Jazz Focus on Anchor.fm, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, but this is uh, from a later period. He had actually been playing with the Benny Goodman band at the time and playing vibraphone. He had made the switch, or temporary switch anyway, from xylophone to vibraphone. I think largely because of that, he was following in the footsteps of Lionel Hampton. Um, not that uh, he was following Lionel Hampton, but he replaced Lionel Hampton in the Goodman band. And his vibraphone playing really was uh, quite different, but quite terrific in its own regard. And Norvo, as I said, was a progressive jazz musician as far back as 1930 or so, and he was interested in what the new musicians were doing, and so he hired Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker for this recording session. He also has Flip Phillips on tenor sax, who was playing with the Woody Herman Band at the time, Teddy Wilson on piano, and Slam Stewart on bass, both of whom were with the Goodman group uh, while he was with it. And of course, Teddy Wilson had been part of uh, the Goodman orbit since uh, the mid-1930s, as well as leading his own band and 
countless uh, small group sessions featuring Billie Holiday and, and other singers and musicians as well. And the drummer was either Spex Powell or J.C. Hurd. Either one was sort of on the cusp of uh, the late swing and early bebop period. And we heard two tunes. We heard Get Happy and Hallelujah, um, two uh, tunes that were pretty well uh, thought of as jazz standards. Uh, Hallelujah was uh, by the composer Vincent Humans, and Get Happy was by Harold Arlen. And we heard some excellent solos by all the horns, as well as by Norvo and Teddy Wilson, and Charlie Parker being featured on both of them as well. So in the next set, we're going to go to uh, back to that Clyde Hart set. And this was an interesting recording session that was done on January 4th of 1945 for Continental. It originally was going to be a feature for the blues singer Rubber Legs Williams, who was a character and a half uh, in Harlem at the time. Uh, he uh, came into the session and he managed to get through four numbers, but he had apparently uh, taken the wrong uh, cup of coffee, which happened to be uh, Charlie Parker's cup of coffee, and he had uh, emptied an, a Benzedrin inhaler into it to get him over a, a drug withdrawal issue that he had. Bird had significant drug problems through his whole professional life, and he did all kinds of things to, to deal with that, and that was one of them. So when Rubberlegs got a hold of that and drank that, he turned him into uh, quite a manic performer, even more than he usually was. And we're going to hear the results of that on this tune, What's the Matter Now? Just a Filling in on the details there, Rubberlegs finally had to uh, go take a nap someplace. And the rest of the date, four more tunes were taken over by the trombone player, Trummy Young, who sang and uh, was issued under his name. But the track we're going to hear is by Clyde Hart's All-Stars, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker, Trummy Young on trombone, Don Bias on tenor sax, Clyde Hart on piano, Mike Bryan on guitar, who was the other member of the rhythm section of the Benny Goodman group at that point, Al Hall on bass, and Spex Powell on drums. So we'll be hearing that tune. Following that, we're going to have two tunes that were done by um, Sir Charles Thompson, so-called Sir Charles Thompson, and his um, All-Stars. And this is a, a, another interesting date that was kind of a, um, uh, a mixed date as well. Uh, it features the trumpet player Buck Clayton, who had been so long with Count Basie's band. There are actually pictures of the session with Buck Clayton in his uniform. He was in the Army at the time. This was during World War II, or right at the end of World War II, on September 4th of 1945, done for the Apollo label. Um, with Buck Clayton, we have Charlie Parker, of course, on alto, Dexter Gordon on tenor sax, just beginning his recording career, Thompson is the pianist, Danny Barker, the New Orleans guitar player, is part of this, Jimmy Butts on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums. So another mixed group of uh, swing and bebop players. And the two tunes that we're going to hear from that session are The Street Beat and 20th Century Blues. We're going to finish up that set with a kind of a fun one uh, that again features Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie during the time that they were out in uh, Los Angeles. They were playing at Billy Briggs Club in Hollywood. They left in December of 1945, and the trip was... Uh, pretty much a disaster commercially and personally. Uh, Bird got into major drug problems. He ended up at Camarillo State Hospital uh, for psychiatric observation and detox for about six months. But before that, uh, they made this recording, and this was uh, done on December 29th of 1945 for Savoy. And it is called, um, uh, or the band rather, is called Slim and Bam. Uh, Slim Gayard on guitar and Tiny Bam Brown on bass. Before that, Slim and Slam were a group with Slam Stewart, and they had a sort of a comedy, jivey, beboppy type of group. Uh, Gayard on guitar, Brown on bass, and they both sang as well. In this group, we have Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie again. We have Jack McVeigh on tenor sax, a good uh, West Coast player, Dodo Marmorosa on piano, and the New Orleans drummer Zooty Singleton on drums, kind of an unusually put-together group. And from that, we are going to hear Slim's Jam. So those are our four tunes right now. With uh, Rubberlegs Williams and the Clyde Hart All-Stars, What's the Matter Now? The Sir Charles Thompson All-Stars, The Street Beat and 20th Century Blues, and uh, Slim Gayard's group, Slim's Jam, all featuring Charlie Parker. What's the matter now? What's the matter now? I haven't seen you, honey, since way last spring. Tell me, pretty mama, have you broke that thing? What's the matter now? 
We can't get along somehow I ain't had no sugar in a long time Tell me what's the matter now Mama, tell me what's the matter now
ways. Look like we'll have a fine jam session here. And here comes Zooty in the door with his brushes. What you know, Papa? Look at this cat here. Here's a suitcase. Eh? That's Kelly. You can beat on that one. Oh, my door, Richard. Well, look at Well, here's Jack McVouty in his tenor. Yes, indeed. Well, say, Gage, how about blowing some, man? Got the next call. All right, that's great. Man. Take it. You got it. <laughs> Say, you better bring me a double order Riti Vooties with a little hot sauce on it. That'll just about fix it. Oh, here's it. Well, look at Charlie Yard, boy, the Rooney. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Oh, everything is mellow, man. Look at this cat to get his horn with the name. Yeah, blow I got some? my horn with me, man. I want to blow some, too. Yeah. I'm having a little reed trouble. Haven't got a reed? Yeah. Well, Mac Vouchy's got a reed. He can trim it down a little. That's great. Yeah, that's, oh, that's great. That's solid, then. Well, let's get together and blow. We need flat. Take the next one. You got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> So that was some good-natured playing by Slim Gayard and his group, kind of a casual recording, probably done at the end of the recording date. You heard Gayard introduce all of the players, including uh, Jack McVeigh on tenor, and then Charlie Parker taking a couple of choruses on alto sax, and then finally Dizzy Gillespie, who says he has to move to go to a, uh, a jubilee date. And indeed, he and Charlie Parker and the band they were playing with uh, at Billy Berg's uh, restaurant in uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood, I guess, uh, broadcast that night uh, for Jubilee Recordings, which was a, uh, a radio program I think was aimed at the armed forces, but uh, was probably accessible to other people as well, and indeed the broadcast still exists, so you can hear what happened uh, that evening after this recording session on December 29th of 1945. So before that, we heard the two sessions, or the two recordings on the Sir Charles Thompson session uh, for Apollo. We heard uh, the Street Beat and 20th Century Blues, featuring some outstanding early playing by Charlie Parker on alto, and Dexter Gordon on tenor sax, one of his very first recording dates, Buck Clayton, the veteran, on trumpet, and Sir Charles Thompson with a rhythm section of Danny Barker, Jimmy Butts, and J.C. Hurd. We started out that uh, uh, that little set with uh, the strange Clyde Hart date. Clyde Hart and his all-stars backing Rubberlegs Williams, the very eclectic blues singer. Um, and we heard him probably at the beginning of his descent on that recording date. Uh, 
very, very, very bluesy at any rate. And featuring beautiful playing, of course, by Charlie Parker and also by the great Don Bias on tenor sax, who was one of the few swing players who was harmonically and technically sophisticated enough to keep up with the bebop players. And the bebop players uh, really... Um, held him in high esteem. Uh, there were a number of saxophone players who later on, uh, you know, in, in interviews and so forth, said that Don Bias was the guy that they were listening to back then as they were coming up through the ranks, as it were. So we're going to keep going with uh, Charlie Parker as the sideman here. Uh, after he got out of Camarillo State Hospital on the West Coast, he made some excellent recordings for Dial with a group out there, including Dota Marmorosa, who was the pianist on that Slim Gaillard date, and uh, Howard McGee, the trumpet player who was out there. And then he made his way back to New York and started recording for Savoy uh, and making the great series of recordings, or continuing the great series of recordings for Savoy Records uh, that are considered classics in the bebop canon. And he also uh, found a measure of celebrity in New York. He had very good bookings. He started recording for uh, Norman Grant's uh, Clef, then Mercury, then Verve label. Started his uh, series of Bird with Strings recordings, which actually made him more of a popular figure than a jazz figure. He was uh, uh, a cultural icon to some degree uh, while he was alive. And then after he passed away in 1955, uh, at a very young age, he was only about 34, uh, he became a legendary figure. Uh, so most of his recordings from that point were under his own name. Made a lot of recordings for Verve and different albums. He recorded with some different groups like Machito. He was a frequent uh, uh, participant on the JATP sides while he was on the West Coast, uh, Jazz at the Philharmonic, the concerts that were run by Norman Granz. Uh, but occasionally he found time to go into the studio and record as a sideman. And we're going to hear, for the rest of the program, the fruits of two dates that he did with his erstwhile sideman trumpet player, Miles Davis. And uh, this first one is, I believe, uh, actually we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to do the later date first, and then uh, we're going to finish up the program with Miles' first date under his own name, featuring Charlie Parker. And both of these dates, interestingly, feature Bird on tenor. Um, Miles may have asked him to play tenor. Uh, who, who knows? It's lost in the mists of time. Maybe to differentiate this group from the usual Charlie Parker sounding group, which of course is alto dominated. Anyway, the first uh, session that we're going to talk about is one from fairly late in Bird's life, 1953, a couple of years before he passed away. And this is done for Prestige. Miles Davis was just beginning his recording career for Prestige, which would lead him eventually to um, Columbia later on with his classic sextet and then quintet after that. This is one of his first dates for Prestige. Uh, it features him, of course, on trumpet, Walter Bishop on piano, Percy Heath on bass, and Philly Joe Jones on drums, and two tenor saxophones. Sonny Rollins, who uh, had been making a name for himself, uh, we heard uh, some of his recordings on uh, a show a few weeks ago uh, that was dedicated to the sides, early sides of J.J. Johnson. J.J. Johnson used Sonny Rollins on some of his first dates. And Charlie Parker, who was masquerading under the name of Charlie Chan, playing tenor, because he was under contract to Norman Granz at the time. So when we come back, we'll try to disentangle the tenor solos. It's a little hard to distinguish. Uh, Sonny Rollins, even at this point in his career, was very dominated by Charlie Parker's phrasing. And Charlie uh, Parker had just picked up a tenor. Apparently, he had picked it up on the way to the studio, if you can believe that. He hadn't been playing it, and he had to get used to it on the date. So he had a kind of a rough sound, which matched Sonny Rollins' rough sound. Uh, so it uh, sounds very much like the same person in some places. In fact, the original liner notes of this album misidentified the soloists in a couple of places. So we're going to hear three tunes, uh, two by Miles Davis and one by Thelonious Monk, The Serpent's Tooth, Round Midnight, and Compulsion. First and last by Miles, and of course, Round Midnight by Thelonious Monk. So these are from January 30th of 1953, the Miles Davis uh, sextet featuring Charlie Parker. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was three numbers by the Miles Davis Sextet, featuring Charlie Parker, a.k.a. Charlie Chan, playing tenor sax. We heard The Serpent's Tooth uh, was the first number, and that featured um, Charlie Parker playing tenor first, and then Sonny Rollins after that. Um, then we heard uh, Round Midnight, Round About Midnight, and that featured a Charlie Parker solo uh, after the Miles Davis solo. The bridge in the opening and closing chorus were by Sonny Rollins. And then we finished up with Compulsion, uh, which is a, uh, a tune that featured, uh, again, both of them. Again, Charlie Parker first and Sonny Rollins second. So we're going to finish up with one number. Those were fairly long, so we only have time for one more. This is from Miles' first date uh, as a leader, and it featured Charlie Parker. This was for the Savoy uh, record label, and it was called, uh, or this particular tune, rather, was called Little Willie Leaps. And it's going to feature Charlie Parker on tenor sax from uh, August 14th, 1947. Miles Davis on trumpet, John Lewis on piano, Nelson Boyd on bass and Max Roach on drums. And we'll take the program out with that. So, hope you enjoyed the program. This is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. You've been listening to WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. And uh, lots more coming up. But hope you've enjoyed this little dip into Charlie Parker's recording career as a sideman. Some very interesting uh, features and some interesting uh, backgrounds for the genius of Charlie Parker. So, thank you very much and hope to see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.